This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How a Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Jamie J. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. Really appreciate it. We're excited to have you. Uh, Jamie is an entrepreneur, a podcaster, and a hockey player, which will become very evident as we start chatting. Uh, he uh, is currently involved in several businesses, and we'll get into most of those, but they include Slapshot Studio, which is a WordPress development company where he builds websites that help define your brand. Uh, and he's also the host of Stop Writing the Pine, a podcast, a very successful podcast. And we will chat about that and what he does with that show. Uh, the podcast, though, is a it, it, the Stop Writing the Pine is a business marketing show where he interviews top thought leaders, authors, business professionals, and more. And so in today's episode, we're going to get his highlights and uh, thoughts and input, particularly on the topic of marketing, where he has and expertise and a focus with the people that he chats with on a daily basis. So we'll get some good tips and advice on marketing for small business. And also we'll get to learn about his entrepreneurial journey. Uh, Jamie lives in Ozark, Missouri. And so once again, Jamie J, welcome to the show. Wow, Henry, thank you so much. Yeah, super excited to chat with you today. Absolutely. So Ozark, Missouri, I, I don't know where that is exactly. Well, I like to tell people um, if you drive to the middle of nowhere, hang a quick right, that's us. <laughs> so Ozark, Missouri is Southwest Missouri. And it's right in between, if you're familiar with Branson, a lot of people are familiar with where Branson sure, is. Sure. So we're right in between Branson and Springfield um, down here in the Southwest corner, opposite of St. Louis in the state of Missouri. Now is this, did you grow up in this area? I didn't. I've only been here for about five years. Um, growing up, oh boy, that's a story. Uh, but I, I was coming back and forth out here. My mom lives out here, and I was coming back from the West Coast because I grew up on the West Coast, uh, uh, literally in Alaska. Uh, then I moved to Colorado, then to California, Southern California, and then to Las Vegas. So I, my whole life has been on the West Coast. But my mom was out here in Missouri, and I was coming back and forth. And as you know, I'm a big hockey fan, so I would come out here and play hockey and was on the ice facing off against this cute little girl. Uh, she was kind of chirping at me, and I, I had to stay out here. So ever since then, I've been out here. Love it, love it. And so you grew up, where did you develop the love for hockey? Is Alaska a big place for hockey? Yes, Okay. sure was. Yeah, I, I remember, and I, 
um, back in the day, I uh, let me see, probably 20, uh, 17 years ago, uh, 17, 20 years ago, I started really got into uh, building rinks and stuff like that and, and uh, some facilities and stuff like that that had to do with ice. But my very first rink that I ever built, I was about six years old with my dad in the backyard of our home in Alaska. He put up some two-by-fours and visqueen and filled it with water. We woke up in the morning. We had ourselves a rink. And uh, I think I've been I've been playing hockey a little bit over 40 years now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so if the date was right in my research, you went to Florida Institute of Technology to get a degree. Was that Was that then later in life? Because... Not, yes. You, yeah. The numbers didn't make sense. You're not, you're, yep. you're not a 20 year old. I gathered. No, 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 no. For, 46 years young. <laughs> so what uh, prompted the move to go get a degree and, and ending up in Florida for that? Well, um, actually, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic. Florida, the reason I chose that school is I did it online. And the reason why I did it. Yeah. The reason why I did it online is because I, I really like their school. Um, it, and here I am thinking that online was going to be inexpensive, and it was not. Um, it was, it was very expensive. But the cool thing, the reason why I did that is because I was working so hard to develop my business at home that I didn't want to have to take the time to, you know, travel back and forth between schools. And this way, I kind of got to choose what program I liked best. Um, and they had pretty good programs there with regards to online marketing and programming and things like that. So that's why I chose to go to that school. Now you had not gone to college earlier in life or had you? I sure had. Um, I'd actually gone uh, to a couple years of junior college, um, but never nothing, be, but never beyond that. Um, so why did and you feel you, did you want this or did you think you needed this bachelor's in, in business administration? Why did you go through this effort? Great question. I thought I needed it. In hindsight, as hindsight is 2020, um, probably didn't need to, to do what I did there. Uh, um, it wasn't that I did, got bad grades or anything, but um, I wasn't learning what I needed to learn for what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You don't think it uh, helped you all that much in being an entrepreneur? I'm sure there are things you take from it, but uh, sure. is that what you were hoping to get out of it, that it would make you a better entrepreneur? Yeah, I was hoping I could learn more things about, you know, the marketing world and how that was working. But yeah, it was it it, it didn't help me in what I wanted to do. Now, I'm not saying school is bad by, by yeah, any means. Exactly. Means. That's a good clarification because that's not what this questioning is about. I'm always curious as to how people have ended up either using that education or was it or was it not necessarily beneficial as entrepreneurs? Because I, you know, I get mm -hmm. different perspectives on that. I didn't go to university. I went to a technical school. But it's always interesting to, to get that perspective from others. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to a very small two-year technical school. Ended up with a certificate in computer programming. Oh, nice. And I went. that was a night school because I, I did not have the opportunity to go to college. But at least that gave me enough to get in somewhere as a programmer and then worked my way up. I would oh, have liked to have gone to university now. But now at my age, and part of the reason I was asking the question not only do I not have the discipline or attention span, I don't, it's not something I want, but, but I'm right. That doesn't mean that, that, you know, I don't understand and respect why others want it. That's why I was asking. Cause sometimes it's a personal thing. I want this. I want to have that achievement for myself. And other times is I think it's going to help me in my entrepreneurial career. Right. 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 And, and it's funny that you said that. Cause yes, when I, when I got into it, that's what I did is that's the reason I did is I wanted this degree. 
<laughs> that's the reason I did it. I was like, why didn't I do it when I was younger and just get it over with? Well, I took, you know, I went and joined the army instead. <laughs> so tell us about that. So that's, is that what you ended up doing after junior college? Um, actually I did it. Yes. I had, uh, I took maybe two semesters at a local junior college where I was living in Southern California. And then bam, I, I, about a year later I took off, I, I got a construction a job in construction and I, it just wasn't me. And, um, I went down with my buddy. He and I went down to the army recruiter's office and I signed up and he just about did. He said, Jamie, I can't do it. And I said, that's all right, bud. I'm doing it. And so off I went. Yeah, off I went to the uh, 82nd Airborne. Wow, and how many years did you serve? Uh, three, three to the day. And then after that, what did you go on to do? After that, that's when I came back, uh, back to Southern California, and I got a job in corporate America. Um, that's where I started. And I, I've always kind of liked tech anyway, so I got a job for um, a Fortune uh, 500 company. And at first it was selling like fax machines and stuff like that. And then I got into IT and, and networking and recommending uh, network solutions. And so, yeah, I did that for about 12 years. And then is this the real estate uh, ad agency? Was that your first um, entrepreneurial endeavor? Well, my first entrepreneurial endeavor was with my brother when we were um, – 12 and 10, we were selling golf balls and lemonade on the, on the, on the golf course. We strategically located our table in a specific opposite end of where, where this, where the snack shop was. And, and boy, we did great. The golf balls with the little hacks in them, those were 50 cents. Um, and the golf balls that didn't have any hacks, those were a dollar and our lemonades were a dollar and boy, we were a hit. <laughs> so did you, did you, even as you got older and going through junior college in the corporate world was becoming your own boss a goal or was it something that wasn't really clear yet? Oh no, it was hundred percent clear. Uh, I remember driving as a little kid looking at the up and when, when my parents were driving us, we'd be in the back seat and we'd go through downtown LA or a big city. And I'd always look up at that, that, that office way up top with the light on at night saying, wow, they're working hard. That's what I want to do when I grow up. Weird. I know. I know. And so <laughs> why do you think even back then you wanted to be your own boss? I loved, I've always loved business. I mean, a lot of kids when they're young, they play, you know, with their Star Wars figures or army figures, you know, or things like that. Well, I like to pretend to play office and pretend to file papers. And I don't know what it was. It was, it, I was a weird kid. <laughs> All right. So eventually you do get into, if I got to write the real estate or real estate mm -hmm. related business, right? That was your Kind yes. Of your first big business, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, I was approached by a good friend of mine um, to help start a, because I was into the, at this point, I had left corporate America and I was into building websites and, and doing a little bit of branding and stuff like that. And he approached me because I was helping him out with his uh, real estate agency, he owned a real estate agency, and he wanted to start an ad agency specific for real estate agents and companies. So we jumped into that and we did branding and uh, you know, online marketing for them at, at, you know, and this is back in 2006, uh, 2007 and 2008. And then we also did a magazine where we created a magazine. We had never done that before. So we just created it ourselves and published it and, uh, distributed it and just, uh, had a blast with that company for a little over two years until 2008 happened. Um, and, and, uh, if, if you're familiar with 2008, it was a pretty rough year for the real estate industry. We lost 72 customers in about three months. Wow. Wow. And so what, what was the fate of the business then at that point? 
Yeah, we ended up folding. And at the time, I, you know, it was very frustrating because I didn't, I wasn't managing money and we weren't saving anything and we were, we were doing well, but we just, we just kind of blew it all. And, uh, you know, learned a really incredibly good lesson out of what happened there. So, um, yeah. What what was the big takeaway you think? Well, the big takeaway is, um, if you're doing good today, um, you know, you may not be doing good tomorrow. So always be prepared and something I should have learned from the army. Right. But, um, yeah. So I, when I, when I work now, um, if I have $2 in the bank, I'm not going to go out and spend a dollar eighty of it. So it it just makes a lot of sense now to to plan properly and to keep it going because you never know um, what life will bring you. You just never know. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. At that point, at that at the most low point, did you think forget about this being a business owner? I'll go back to the corporate world. Never. <laughs> I never did that. Um, I I really did not want to get. Well, you know what that's a fib a bit. I did get one job one time working for a staffing agency and it lasted three months. It was just a Um, stopgap. You you had to bring some money, uh, I suspect. Yeah. And, and it just, it just didn't work. And that's what really motivated me, motivated me, um, to get into marketing and, and, and developing, um, some way to create an income, um, for wherever I was going to be. So this is around the time then that Slapshot Studio comes along, is that right? Yeah, a couple years later, um, I was doing stuff without the Slapshot umbrella for a while, and then I finally just said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump into this officially. So did you develop your expertise for WordPress over time, or are you kind of self-taught, which is how I suppose most people are? Or how yeah. Did you develop that. Ah, oh, great question. Um, self-taught and definitely over time. Um, it took me a while to figure out what to do and how to get there and all the marketing stuff that comes along with it. Yeah, years and years and years of, of learning and uh, making mistakes and, and that kind of thing, as I'm sure you understand. <laughs> so initially, and, and still to a big extent, you build custom websites for your clients, correct? 100%. Yep, that's our, that's our main business is uh, building websites. And we keep getting better and better at that. We've got some unbelievable developers on staff. And so what's really neat with that is that while I'm not a big programmer, big coder, um, we have some unbelievable people. And so we've, we've really come a long ways in a pretty short amount of time in the three years since we've been um, actually, oof, uh, um, holy cow, four years. Holy cow. Yeah. And so then the, the podcast came along shortly thereafter, if I've got the dates right, in 2014 timeframe, correct? Correct, yes. What, what led you to podcasting? I got invited to go talk on a marketing panel in San Diego uh, with a gentleman by the name of Mike Koenigs for one of his events. And there's another guy there named Paul Colgan, who is he's one of the founding fathers almost, you guess you could say, of podcasting. Started right when it first came out. And uh, he had told me after I got done talking, he said, Jamie, you need to start a podcast. And I said, oh, I don't need to start a podcast. And anyways, I ended up learning a little bit more about it. Seven months later, started my show. And much like yourself, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just started it. Um, I didn't wait for getting too much detail. I just went out there. I think my first episode, I got three downloads and that was all family. <laughs> <laughs> going, going back to who was it that gave you the advice? You said that uh, you should start uh, a podcast. Paul. Yeah, Paul Culligan. So why did he think you should start a podcast then? 
we had, we were talking about marketing and how I wanted to, you know, what I wanted to do with my business and how I wanted to help others and, you know, really get the word out there on, on what's working and what's not working. And he said, Jamie, uh, cause I told him I was blogging a bit at the time and I, I did have a, a blog that was gaining a lot of traction. Um, and I'm so glad I listened to his advice and getting the podcasting out there. And as you know, I love the podcasting. I, uh, I would say now, Hmm. Probably 60% of my business is done from not directly from my podcasting, but indirectly, meaning that the relationships that I build are awesome. We get to share, you know, guest suggestions. We get to share business opportunities. And I've really developed developed some wonderful relationships with some great people. Yeah, that's significant. So about 60% of your clients or revenue is derived one way or another from the show. 100%. 100%. Yes. Well, not 100%, but yeah. yeah yes. No, <laughs> 100% of the 60%. Um, yes. And that's either because they directly hear what you say about your business and they call you, or like you said, so much of it in podcasting is these great relationships that we build and we meet people that we otherwise may have never met, right? Hunter, oh my gosh, that's the best. You know what, That Henry, seriously, you and I probably would have never met right. had we not had our shows. Right. And so we get to learn about each other. And and we were also introduced by an, now a, a mutual friend that I met through my podcasting. I, had, I would have never met him otherwise. And it's just neat how that works. And one of the biggest things that I found, in, especially coming from corporate America, and you may be able to relate with this, uh, especially being in such a competitive industry that I was in. Boy, you got to be careful. That's a backstabbing. People want to get over. They want the promotions. They, you know, and that was just not me. I just... I'm not wired that way. When I get into podcasting, I can talk to somebody who has a very similar, you for instance, your audience, your listeners for the, the how of business, they, they are entrepreneurs, right? They're entrepreneurs. They're people that are looking to improve, they get tips and strategies, improve their business. Guess what? My show is very similar, but I'm happy to hop on your show. I'm, I'm glad for you to be on my show. I would love to be able to help you out. And that's the beauty of it is we can be, um, have similar audiences and want to do the same things, but be there and support each other um, to the best of our ability and just know and feel good that if one is successful, we can feel good that, hey, we helped out with that. It's amazing. All right. So then uh, I guess here in the last couple of years, you've launched a couple of other related businesses done for you, WP, which I'm assuming the WP stands for WordPress. Sure does. <laughs> and then, uh, bottleneck virtual assistance. So tell me about those couple of businesses. Yeah, it's pretty cool because we started off initially with Slapshot Studio and uh, big hockey fan again. Um, and and so we build the websites and then we thought, well, heck, now that we have a website up, what can we do for them? Well, a lot of people don't understand that or, or they don't have the time or maybe they don't have the knowledge um, that once you build a site, it's not done. you got to continually update that site and to protect it from viruses and things like that. So a lot of people don't know how to do that or don't understand that they need to do that. Or like I said, don't have the time. So we created Done For You WP, and it's a monthly uh, maintenance service for WordPress sites. And then once you do the maintenance and that's taken care of, well, now, you know, 
we help people with podcasting and stuff like that to get the word out. Then when the word gets out and they start getting real busy, well, an entrepreneur, you know, a solopreneur um, that just starts getting overwhelmed and they want to keep working on their business um, in order to scale that business, uh, we provided a service for virtual assistants. And I started working with virtual assistants back when I started the real estate agency in 2007 is when I first started with the VAs. And and so I've, I've worked with them for several, several years. And that's how, you know, I thought, wow, what a great little segue into the next leg of your business. And that way, not only can we work with someone in the beginning, but we can continue a relationship with them throughout the course of the success of their business. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you've got quite an organization here. You have various companies that you're juggling. That's often a challenge for our listeners. It's a challenge for me. What are some my thinking is, what are some of the tips you could share on how you manage all of these businesses effectively and still have time for yourself and your family and everything else? Well, that is a great question. Um, and hockey, of course. Yeah, well, and hockey is the priority there. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, None of your well, family is listening right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, well, thankfully, my girlfriend and I play hockey together, so it's okay. There you go. Combine, combine those two. That's perfect when you can do that. That's great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there's actually two things. Um, first and foremost is, and I recommend this for everybody on my staff, um, one three-hour block a week. I call. I tell them to take one three-hour time during work hours. One time a week, take three hours and do whatever it is you want to. Go somewhere with your kids, uh, just read a book, you know, take a walk. Um, I, like, I like to recommend doing something that's exercise. So every Friday from 11 to 2, I go play hockey with my girlfriend. So that's, I, that's on your schedule and it takes yes. quite a bit to knock that mm -hmm. off your schedule. It, oh, it, it yeah, it, it, it doesn't happen. The same thing with my staff meetings on Thursday mornings and my, you know, my, the other meetings that I have set up along, you know, I don't interrupt those. Um, right now, this call will not be interrupted, right? Um, unless there's some tech or yeah, something like right. that. I interrupted your team call and you were gracious enough to allow that a little bit. Oh, oh no, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> no. So, and, and so that's why, I'm, so I highly recommend that and they do exercise. And what I found is for me, me in in my situation I go out and exercise and boy I get so amped up and I, I just love it and I'm not thinking about work I'm thinking about having fun and spending time and playing you know passing around the puck that's huge for me and I and my team tells me how much they appreciate it and they like it and last week my operations manager he took his kids Friday at two o'clock he said, I'm taking my three hours. Friday at 2 o'clock, he took his kids out to a movie or a park. I forget what it was, but he's, he just had a blast. I love that. So that's number one to kind of clear your mind and, and keep you going. The second thing is, and I think this one is, is uh, I've learned from a friend of mine, Scott Beebe, um, who's just an amazing systems person. Um, he, every time I do something, I make it like it's going to be the last time I do that. And what I mean by that is, I write down workflows for everything. So if I'm doing something new, say I'm going to write a proposal for somebody, I'll write down step by step. Every time I click the button or click the mouse, I write down what I've done and where I've gone and how I've done this. And the reason why is so that I don't have to do that again if I don't have to. So maybe I can bring on a virtual assistant or maybe, you know, your girlfriend or your wife or your husband, your spouse um, can, can help you out with the business. And then this way they know exactly what to do. So it systemizes your business. And I do that for every aspect of my business, whether it's um, hiring a VA, whether it's finding a client for a VA, whether it's building a website, we have workflows for everything. It does take some time 
but it just I, that's one really big tip I would I would think really would help organize people with their shiny object syndromes as we entrepreneurs like to have. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great tip. But you touched on the hard part of it is that often I know I, I tend to do some of that, not that nowhere as much as you're doing it. And my issue or my excuse is that well, it's going to take me so much more time and effort to document this. But what sure. I have to get over more and more is, that, yeah, maybe the first time, but now, like you said, this gives you the ability to delegate this task. Exactly. And if you think about it, um, so, so if someone, it takes them five minutes to do a certain task, and they say they do this task every single day, but it takes them five minutes. If, if, if I don't invest at least a half an hour with, with this VA or with this person, um, or at least a half an hour in making sure that that five-minute task is taken care of. How many people want to spend half an hour on a five-minute task? Nobody. But imagine if I'm spending five time, five minutes a day, 25 minutes a week, right? And, you know, 100, 100 minutes a month, 1,200 minutes a year on this task. Imagine now all of a sudden I just found 1,200 minutes a year. I don't know how many hours that is, and I don't want to do the math, but I just found that extra time. What could you do with 1,200 minutes a year? And that's the way to look at it. And we're often we're so bogged down with the short term, the immediate crisis, putting out the fire today that we don't look at that longer term value. Mm -hmm. uh, on the topic of virtual assistance or delegating it, period, uh, one of the challenges I find is also deciding what to and what not to. Do you have kind of a, a rule that you try to apply to say this is something I need to delegate at some point? Yes. So we, again, uh, thank you to Scott Beebe. He's a, he's a godsend in my life. He actually created a tool and we have this on the, the bottleneck online site, but if, and you're welcome to go check it out, it's free, but I use it. Um, Scott uses it and it's called the delegation tool. What it, what it, the cool thing about this is that you write down all of the tasks you have in a given day. And again, you want to block out some time, probably two to four hours, um, if this is something that you should literally schedule on your calendar and I, I call these strategic blocks and I learned that from the 12 week year, um, that book. Um, but basically what happens is you go through this and you write down all of your tasks and then you give yourself a thumbs up, a thumbs down, you know, if this, if this certain task gives you energy, if it doesn't. So, and if it doesn't and you, you bring down to another column, these are all your, your tasks that you, that you should delegate, be delegating. And I found it's a really, really neat and useful tool. It's very helpful. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's, that's what I do to figure out what I need to delegate and yeah. what I need to concentrate on. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's a great tool. When you have tools like that, I think it just makes it easier, especially if we're new to the whole idea of delegating and outsourcing and bringing it. Yes. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the how of business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step step 
through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. All right, let's dive into a little bit more what you touched on it, but I'd like to get a little bit more of your perspective of what have you observed keeps people in the entrepreneur category and holds them back from taking that step to becoming their own boss? What are some of the common things you've seen or observed? That's a good question. Um, I would say the number one thing is just being scared. Um, uh, it's when you step out, you can do all the planning in the world, but ultimately it's the unknown. <laughs> Nothing ever goes according to plan. And I don't mean that as to be a negative Nelly or anything like that. Um, but challenges are going to come up. You just simply can't foresee everything. Otherwise, you know, everybody would know what the stock market's going to do, <laughs> right? And plan accordingly. Um, so I think, I think being afraid of, you know, jumping off that cliff, so to speak. I mean, I like to use my analogy. Um, the very first time I was in the, um, went to jump school in the, in the military, um, you line up on the plane and you stand in what they, the lines on the, on the plane when you board the plane are called chocks and they have the outboard chocks and the inboard chocks. Well, I was walking down and they put me in the little line. We're walking on there and I was in chalk number two and I'll never forget this. They said, roster number one, two, seven over to chalk one, which was an outboard chalk. And, uh, he, I got on last and I, he said, right here. And so I was the very last person on, I'm like, Oh my gosh, first jump. Thank, thank the Lord. I'm going to be last, you know? Oh, it's just, uh, cause I, it was so scary, right? You're going to jump out of an airplane. Well, um, it didn't click for a second until we're in the air and I was going to be the very first person out because the last person on first person out, I was starting to freak out. So they did went through all these little checks and balances and, and then they, you know, you swat the person in front of you after you check their equipment and they yell and they say, okay, okay. And you hear all these people yelling, okay, you know, and it comes up to me and I'm supposed to take one valiant step forward and powerful point my hand at a, a closed fingers, 45 degree angle, right at the jump master and yell, all okay, jump master. And what came out of my mouth was, <laughs> I could not say anything. And he kind of read me the riot act and he says, you know, don't look down. And I, of course I looked down and I was freaking out. He said, when that, when that light turns green, what are you going to do? I'm going to jump. So, um, anyways, light turned green. I jumped. You're supposed to go 1000, 2000, 3000, 4000. Your shoot opens. If it doesn't, you got to pull your reserve. Well, all of that went out the window. I screamed like a little baby. And, um, that's kind of what I think of for entrepreneurs, people making that transition is that, you really don't know, and no matter what kind of training you have, you have no idea of the elements that are going to interfere with, with you know, your dreams and your goals. So, long story, longer story shorter, sorry to ramble about that, but I just thought that that would be a good analogy because um, being afraid of the unknown um, is actually um, what I think gives entrepreneurs their power. I love that. Yeah, and to continue with that story, obviously you survived. And it, uh, I'm sure, it I made you a stronger person as a result. It gave you more confidence in your abilities, I have to suspect. Yep. 30 jumps later, yep. 29 static and one free fall. I, and yep. Having, I loved it. Gone first. I think the other thing we can take from that story is that what we end up doing to ourselves sometimes is we let others do it, right? We wait, wait, wait. And I think that fear tends to mount sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, 
maybe jumping off of a rock cliff into a lake or something and everybody else is doing you get up there and you pause and the more you pause the more you pause <laughs> the more you think well what if i do it gives you more time to think so you know go up there know that it's going to work you you know maybe other people have been there before but just have the confidence in yourself and and trust in yourself and i i don't mean it for it to sound cliche or anything like that but seriously if you trust in yourself for that stuff and make the leap you'll be most likely surprised with the outcome and other people will look to you and say, wow, he did that yeah. or she did that. That's great stuff. All right. So let's uh, focus in a little bit more now on marketing. You obviously talk to hundreds of people on this topic and you have the expertise in it yourself. You have clients. I'd like to get from you some of those common themes. What is it that you hear a lot from small business owners when it comes to online marketing? What are some of their challenges? that you're hearing the small business owners are facing on this topic of online marketing? I think probably um, that's it's kind of a hard question. There are so many, but maybe to narrow it down a little bit, and, and thank you for asking that. I think one of the biggest challenges is that um, clients today for online marketing, they are not seeing the results that they want to see. And I oftentimes like to challenge them in in asking them, well, what are the results you want to see and why do you want to see those results? So I kind of bring it back to expectations. And the, the reason why a lot of them aren't, aren't happy with the results that they're seeing um, or that they've experienced in the past is, is I don't think that their expectations were set in a, you know, in a way that realistically could be you know achieved so a lot of times people think doing Facebook ads okay great I'm gonna get all this business and they don't get a lead well they think that's terrible it didn't work well what were the expectations um, now had I gone back if you know if, if in their previous job or work had I been there I might set their expectations differently I might say let's start here chances you know usually what we see is not a lot of results but we'll get a lot of data back with that data we can make the necessary tweaks to move forward because there's so much competition now you really have to be careful on how things are presented in the marketing world right and that could be Facebook it could be it could be anything but I think setting expectations up early and, and I think by setting expectations, that has a lot to do with um, experience and education. So I think it's really important for um, entrepreneurs, um, no matter what their product or service is, that they, they really get educated from a marketing point of view on what's working, what's not, join masterminds, um, hire a coach, um, read a lot of books, read, 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 leaders are readers, right? So. I think the more you can become educated and knowledgeable about marketing overall and in general, I think the better you can set expectations for your clients. Yeah, great, great insight there. So on this topic of results, let's just talk about that a little bit more. You know, I, I find often what we're what we struggle with as small business owners, we're trying to balance this uh, brand marketing with call to action marketing. And most of us as small business owners, we've got very tight budgets. We need people to walk in our door or call us or buy from us now, not two years from now when I build my brand. And so we're mm -hmm. constantly trying to balance those two things. And I think that's why we struggle sometimes when we don't get an immediate result. But to your point, what is that result that you're looking for? And if we have, for example, an informational website, which most of us as small business owners do, in other words, I'm not selling anything on that website. But what I'm getting that website hopefully do is to get people to call me or come into my place of business. It's hard to measure that. So 
when we're talking about those types of informational websites, what are, give me a little bit more, you touched on it there, but a little bit more on how you measure the results of an informational website, for example. Is it about that data that you're talking about that you gather as to who's coming to the website, how they're behaving, what information they're finding in it? Is that what you're talking about, that you can take that and then help me make decisions in my business? Yeah, most definitely. Well, one of the things I know a lot of people like to, they need that business now, but you have to understand the target first, right? And and, and I, I want to go back to this a little bit. I know that there's branding and all that stuff and people need it now, but if you're not answering the question or providing the solutions to different challenges out there, or at least acknowledging the outcomes of what something, of, of how you know, working with you is, is going to result for, you know, if, if someone comes to me and they want to do something, I want to be able to show them what the outcome is. I don't want to be able to tell them like, Hey, here's your problems. These are some of the solutions that you can do. I don't want to do that. I want to demonstrate the outcome. That's what they want to see. They don't want to know. They don't want to worry about the problems. They know what the problems are. They don't want to, they don't want to go through the solution. That's work. They want to know that they can get to that end point, that outcome, that big shiny, you know, ah, moment. So highlight that, I think, on your website. Highlight the outcome, highlight the success stories, the testimonials, the video testimonials, those things that people have had a chance to work with you in the past and say, hey, this is fantastic, the reason why I did this, I went from this to this, because this, so call him or call her. And I really think that if you can highlight the outcome on your educational site, then you're going to be in a lot or, or whatever site it is. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. But then how do I go about measuring the results of that? Well, it depends. So you can, it, I mean, it, you can have, are you talking about like say visitors to a website? Well, not visitors to a website because obviously that we can track through analytics, but did it mm -hmm. get me more customers in the door? Did it get me more leads? Did it get me more paying customers? And, and so some of sure. the ways we can do that, of course, is by asking, you know, how did you find mm -hmm. us? By, of course, yep. if there's any kind of entry on the website, we're going to know that was the source of the lead. But, for sure. example, I have a, a self-serve frozen dessert shop in Colorado Springs, and mm -hmm. my website is purely informational and motivational, and we tell those stories and we share pictures and all of that. But I don't know when somebody walks in the door if what motivated them to come through the door was my website or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so that, that what makes it challenging then for a small business owner is, okay, so do I continue to invest in that? What impact is it having? Uh, again, to your point, if I'm, if I'm running Facebook ads, well, I'm not, there's no buy. All I can measure the conversion for me in that case is a click. That's it. But I don't know if that click actually converted into a sale at my place of business, right? Ah, yes. So that's right. Um, so what you can do is there's a couple different things you can do. Um, you can set up pixels on Facebook. <laughs> right. um, if we want to get right down to the technical aspect, there's definitely ways that you can do that. You can also have different landing pages set up. Set up. And depending on if, if it's a brick and mortar that you're talking about, someone walks through the door and they say, hey, here's my discount code AB123, right? Okay, you, now you know where they came from. That's right. So, so I've there's a them, I've given them some call to action piece, a coupon, mm -hmm. a discount, something to for them to identify themselves, and now I know the source of that lead. Exactly. The same thing with um, it, it, a good way to track what shows are doing well and what, which aren't. If you're going to go on interviewing on podcasts, which I highly recommend every business owner really try to get, you know, do is um, you can work in advance with that host and see if they would do something like, you know, forward slash, you know, 
your name or your offer. So it would be, you know, the, you know, the, the how of business.com forward slash, right. Um, uh, pine in my instance. Right. right. And then that way, um, you would be able to track how many people are going to your site to purchase your product or read your book or do opt in for your course from this interview with me. Okay, Jamie, staying on the topic of websites, what would you say are some of the key components that make for an effective website? Let's stay with a informational type website because I, I'm fairly confident sure. that makes up the majority of websites for most small business owners. So we'll exclude e-commerce. There's very specific things there. But the mm -hmm. typical informational website, what are some of the key components that make it a good website? Oh, that's an awesome question. <laughs> um, not too many people know this, but the about us page is the second most visited page on most websites, which is, which, yeah, which is very interesting. So you want to make sure that you have a clear story to tell on the about section. And I would recommend using that on the first page. I would make it very simple, um, and distill a lot of the information. Basically what I mean by that is don't have a lot of content, have, you know, bits and pieces of content and right at the very top, make a clear I want to say call to action, but it's a, it's, it's, you'll be amazed by people listen to what you tell them to do. And when you go to a website, if you tell them, Hey, click here, people are going to click here. So I would put right at the very top, what is, what is the goal for somebody coming to this site? You need to make that very clear in a sentence or less, maybe even a title, you know, with a quick little subtitle underneath it for something to take action. So if they're going to come to your uh, website to learn about widgets or to learn about a topic, then when they come there at the very top, it should say, learn about the, the widgets, click here. And that will take you to their blog or the article or anything like that. Now, here's the cool thing. What you want people to do is start clicking. <laughs> and the more they start clicking and the more pages they visit, the more, uh, the more interest they are in what you're having to say, what you're doing, what you, your services are, things like that. And make it so that every single page, a lot of times you go and visit maybe the about page or a services page and you go down to the bottom or whatever, and there's no buttons. There's nothing to take them or help them continue their journey on your website. So people click away. They're done. So you always want to make sure that you have a consistent flow from page to page and that it makes sense and it's relevant. So my understanding is that most people will scan a web page or website. They don't really do a lot of reading. Is that your observation as well? 100%. People are so busy. Um, and that's why it's so important. Um, <laughs> there was a study, I think, trying to remember what university it was. It, I think it was, I think it was Missouri State University, actually. They did a study on how long it would take somebody to to visit a site and know right away whether or not they wanted to continue to learn more about possibly doing business or doing taking action on that website. It was 0.2 seconds. Wow. 0.2. That's not even enough time to scroll. That's why it's so important that you nail that top and, and images. You have to get high-res images. You have to get high-res images. Um, and we found images that's, that go across the entire screen in highly re mobile responsive websites, meaning they, you, know, you can view them on all kinds of different mobile devices. But if you get a high-res image with a single 
title and a button, you are going to see your 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 people um, uh, spending a lot more time on your websites. Very interesting. All right, another topic that really confuses and and creates a lot of consternation and unneeded expenses SEO search engine optimization uh, my, oh, yes. my opinion tends to be to not for small business owners not to get suckered into paying a bunch of money to get you know at the top of the Google page ranks but what what's uh, what's just your overall thoughts and opinion on for small business owners on what they need to do and worry about as it relates to SEO I, I agree with you Henry hundred percent Please, please, please. Uh, you'll get phone calls all the time. Hey, for you know, 99 bucks a month or for 300 bucks a month, we can do this and this and this. And I tell you over and over and over and over again, and, and God bless those companies, those entrepreneurs for starting those companies. I just don't believe they have your best interest in mind. They've got the 300 bucks coming to you. What's going to happen is that first month they're going to do some work for you, and then it's going to be billed to you monthly and monthly, and you're not going to see a lot of progress out of that. Um, th here's the challenge. Um, they do some local stuff and things like that, and it's just not kept up. And I just I agree with you. I would recommend against doing that. If you're currently doing that right now, and you're having a good experience, fine. Um, but I have yet to find anybody that said, "Wow, that's been the best money I've ever spent." Um, and I and I've been doing this quite a while. <laughs> um, so my suggestion for small business owners is to, if you're on a WordPress site, go buy a tool called SEO Yoast. Um, spend a day kind of learning it and, and make sure that when you're writing your blogs, you're, you're using the tool in there. It gives you a green light to let you know if those blogs are optimized or if that page is optimized. Um, and then it's, it's not that challenging to submit your site to Google. Um, Yoast shows you how to do that. Um, so it, and, and Yoast is free. They do have, you know, some premium upgrades, but the basic tool that gives you the foundation for all of this for your WordPress site um, is SEO Yoast, and it's, uh, it's a free plugin. It's, and it's Y O S T. It's Y O A S T. I think you. I think it's um, listed in the plugin section of WordPress as SEO by Yoast. Okay. Thanks. That's a great tip. I'll I'll definitely look at applying that. For those of you who are listening or thinking, what the heck is a plugin? And you lost me at WordPress. The other <laughs> takeaways I always recommend, Jamie, and I'd like to get your input, is at the end of the day, I don't think it's changed much. What Google is looking for is very obvious. They've made it obvious from day one. And what they continue to do in the updates of their algorithm is to make it less and less possible for you to game the system. And what they're trying to do is present you when you do a search with the most likely content, relevant content to your search. So to that end, what I've always tried to practice is to have fresh relevant content on my blog, my website, the combination thereof, and that's what I focus on. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you nailed it again, Henry. It's, you know what, um, that just be true when you're writing this stuff out. Don't go and, and purchase like article spinners and, and hey, these people are going to send out all these press releases and oh, they're going to submit me to all these different sites and all this. When you start doing that, you're, you're no doubtly going to be flagged by you know the big search engines google and bing and stuff if you write your content or you have when and when you say content um i, I just want to clarify sure, that's yeah. writing that's video that's okay. images that's all of that make sure that you just tag them you know uh, with with title tags and alt tags and 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 then the written content 
write it. Don't copy it and and don't paste it. That's duplicative content. You're going to get dinged for that. Just be true and don't worry about the search engines in the beginning. Write for your human clients, right? So write for them. Write for them first. And you'll learn over time how to optimize better for SEO and things like that. But in the beginning, just write from your heart. Write what you know people want to hear about. You know, and if you have trouble coming up with something to write or images to find or anything like that, take the top 10 frequently asked questions and write articles about, you know, what you would do with those questions. And here's the here's one quick tip on SEO too. Keywords are very important because people are going to type into search engines when they want to find a product or service. So if you next time you have a conversation with one of your clients or a potential client, Listen to what they say exactly, verbatim, that word, that question they ask you, the way they question, the way that they ask it. And you may say, well, that's not what it's called. It's called this. Well, you know what? That's what they think it's called. Use that stuff in your, in your, in your content creation. Great tip. Great tip. I hadn't thought about that. All right. Uh, so we've touched on your various businesses, but just give me quickly anything we haven't covered as far as the services that you offer across your businesses. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, like you said, we're we're really big into the into the um, web development and and supporting you know entrepreneurs and you know the virtual assistants. We also do podcast editing um, through a company called PodcastPilot.com. So if you are in a podcast and uh, for about every hour of show, it usually takes about two to three hours to edit and write and oh, publish yeah. and all at, that stuff. At least, at least, at least, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, um, so we offer editing and writing services and we also do our podcast pilot launch program where we will sit down and we'll help somebody launch their own podcast in 40 days or less. Fantastic. I think, I think this whole, uh, getting somebody to help you and outsourcing these things, especially on the topic you discuss about creating content. That's the other place where we hit a wall as small business owners is we just, we may have a spurt initially and then we stop doing it because we get busy with everything else. And that consistency is key as well. So outsourcing some of that, that's not the same as, you know, stealing or plagiarizing or copying. It's you're hiring somebody to write for you and your tone and on your topic and for your clients, right? And that's yes. a great way to use outsourcing. And I'll tell you what, um, you find some good people doing that. I, I hear I hear a lot about, you know, oh, I don't want this, I don't want that. But if 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 you ever get the chance, and, and if it's okay, I'd, I'd like to offer as a solution to go read the blog over at Slapshot because what's nice about that is it's brand new. We just started it in January. But these are articles, and what I do is I talk to my VA and I say, okay, I want an article about this. These are the keywords. Um, can you find something? They go out, they research it, they do it, they link it, they upload it, they do everything. All I did was suggest a title or a topic with some keywords that we want to optimize for. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. And it's and I mean, we'll do 400 blogs this year, and I won't have written one. Yeah, no, but it's still content that's that's good content that's original content that of course relates to your audience mm -hmm. you're, still, you're still involved in creating it it's not like it's you've relegated it completely exactly that's the only way to be productive at this there's just not enough hours in a day otherwise so we'll, we'll definitely have a link to the blog as well as your other sites on the show notes page for this episode and yeah. um, our listeners should definitely check that out 
All right, uh, books. We talked about books. You mentioned the twelve-week year. Was that the book you were going to recommend, or is there another one that you're thinking of? Well, I I love the twelve-week year. Highly recommend that. I am reading Deep Work right now by Cal Newport. Um, and for those entrepreneurs that are finding it hard to, you know, really focus on their company because um, they're so worried about getting the clients. Um, I would highly recommend going and checking out Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, and, of course, the 12-week year. Ugh, fabulous. F- fantastic. So what's the – I've not read that. What's the gist of that one? The, so the 12-week year, um, and if you want, I can uh, give you a – I've created a special Excel spreadsheet for it. But basically what it does is it helps you organize your year in 12 weeks and you do four years in in essence in a year so instead of reviewing all the work that you've done once a year typically at you know the end of december beginning of january and saying wow i've achieved this or i've failed at that so we need to do that this year you get to do that four times and it's really exciting because you go through these 12 weeks and if you achieve an 85 percent completion rate of the goals that you set out to do chances are you'll succeed overall with your main goals and objectives and every 12 weeks um, you you come up with a certain set of goals and criteria on personal, personal health, um, and then, you know, our, I'm sorry, personal, financial, and business. So you set up these different goals for those three areas and you go after it. So, you know, if you want to lose 20 pounds in the next 12 days, okay, what are you going to do about that? If you want to, um, uh, you want to generate this much f- money, then, okay, what do you need to do to go over that? And it's really cool because you go through every week and you calendar it and you put it on this little spreadsheet and you'll have, you know, these strategic blocks where you, you pan, you know, nothing distracts you. You go set it up for two hours at a time and nothing else gets in your way, but you do your planning or your, your, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you need to do. Right. And then you have your busy blocks and that's where you're answering your emails and returning phone calls and all that stuff. So it just basically organizes a day. And for those of us, much like myself, that it's easy for us to say squirrel, (laughs) um, this is an incredible book. Highly recommend it. Brian Moran is the author of that book. And then it's a perfect segue into this book. And I know you wanted one recommendation, but the, the deep work by Cal Newport is, is fantastic as well. It talks about the importance of kind of going away, getting away from your devices and, and electronic devices and just sitting down and thinking through your processes and stuff like that. Fantastic. Great recommendations. Again, we'll have links to those in the show notes page for this episode. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Final parting thought. Let's keep it on the topic of marketing, which is what I wanted to make this episode about, but I took you off on so many tangents. Final thought on marketing for, especially online marketing for small business owners. Final thought on online marketing is, um, I think the best thing for you to do is just create content. Every time you get an idea, there's nothing wrong with doing a quick video. Every time you speak with somebody online or, or offline, but you're talking to them about your business, um, reference them in a quick video after you're done with that call. Hey, I just spoke with this person. We had a great conversation. This is what we talked about. You know, I hope this helps. We want to learn more. Visit here today. So I always call it the FBI, Feature Benefit Invitation. So you always get the feature, which would be, in this case, that phone call. Give the benefit. Hey, this is what's going to help you out. And invite them to learn more about it. I think that really helps. The second thing to that, real quick, if I may, is consistency. So if you're going to do a blog or you're going to do a podcast or you're going to do posts on, on social media, whatever it is, 
be consistent. Do it the same time, same day, every week or every month or whatever it is. Just be consistent and you'll be amazed. You'll be blown away how quick your audience grows. Fantastic. Great idea and great advice there. And again, where would you like people to go to find out more about you and your different businesses? Well, you can you could go and Google me, Jamie J. I recently passed the singer up, Jamie J. So I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, with the 40th anniversary of Slapshot the movie, um, there's a lot of buzz going on right now. So I'm 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 having some SEO competition with uh, Slapshot Studio. But you can go check us out, uh, SlapshotStudio.com, Bottleneck.online podcastpilot.com and definitely doneforuwp.com those and but anywhere on social media i'm always available and be happy to talk yeah absolutely and stop writing the pine podcast i find it on itunes it's available on other platforms as well correct yes yes gotta love the podcast (laughs) great stuff jamie thanks for this uh, great conversation thanks for indulging me in going long here longer than i typically go but it was such great stuff thanks for your time and for sharing today Thank you so much, Henry. I really, really, well, I'm honored that you invited me on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Folks, this is Henry Lopez, and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.